Lord Jesus, we thank You, Father. I thank You, Lord Jesus, that You give us joy, unspeakable, and Your joy really is full of glory. It's full of who You are, Lord God. I thank You for the spirit of laughter. Lord God, I thank You that You do lead Your children beside those still waters. And I thank You, Father, that right now, You are calling everyone in here to come into Your rest. I thank You, Father, that You prepared a place for us to rest that even when we're working, we're still at rest, Father, because our rest is in the finished work of Jesus. And we thank You that You did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, that You bought us back. I thank You that we didn't have what it took, but You did, and You made the way. Lord God, You always make the way. I thank You that no one here is led by circumstances. I thank You that everyone here will be led by the Holy Spirit. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You administer to each one of these people here individually, even though it's spoken corporately. I thank You, Father, that each one of them hears You and that You meet their needs, Lord God, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, whatever they need. I thank You that You are the one that brings wholeness to Your body. I thank You for it. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. God is a good God. He is so good. Amen. Let's turn to the Gospel of John chapter 1. He is so faithful. Lord Jesus, I thank You. Before I get into that, I'm, uh, you can just keep your place there. You know the Word says actually says that love keeps no records of wrong. That love covers a multitude of sin. You know how much a multitude is? A multitude of sin? Which means it can't be numbered. <laughs> it's a multitude of sin, transgression, wrongdoing. Someone wronged you. The Bible says that love keeps no records of wrongs. So when if we know that God is love, why in the world would we think that God would be keeping a record of any wrong that we've ever done? It stops the voice of condemnation, the accuser of the brethren, which his job night and day is to accuse you, but not before God anymore. Because Jesus said, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He was thrown out of heaven when Jesus rose again from the dead. He lost his place. He can't stand before God anymore. Instead of being proud and arrogant before God, now he's fearful. When Jesus came on the scene like a legion of devils, thousands of devils threw themselves down and said, Have you come to torment us before the time appointed? The devil himself is no longer to stand in the presence of God. He was kicked out of heaven. So what he does now is he tries to accuse either your brother to you or you to you. Because if he can't get you to condemn yourself, then if you judge your brother, then you condemn yourself according to the Scripture. <laughs> That's what the Scripture says. Do you know that the world's philosophy on love is do you love me? and I will love you. God is love. Who God is doesn't say, if you love me, I'm going to love you. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus literally is the expression of God's love to humanity. He's literally saying, I love you beyond the moon and back. <laughs> like Gracie will say to me, she says, Dad, I love you to the moon and back, and back again, and then back to the moon. No, literally God loved us enough to leave heaven. 
and come all the way to earth, however far that is, and humble himself as a man and take the punishment that you deserve for your sin. He took your place. It's literally the expression of his love for humanity. This is how much you guys are loved in the eyes of God. No life is without significant to the one who created it. Yes, there we go. No life is without significance to the one who created it. Because like you've heard all of us say before, that the value of something is only determined by the price that somebody's willing to pay. It sets the value of something. And because God loved you enough to send His Son Jesus in the eyes of God, you to Him are as valuable as Christ is and was. Amen. Your life is not a coincidence by two people coming together who didn't know what they were doing. You have to understand this because the world teaches that we all come from animals. It takes away the significance on your life. It tells you that you're replaceable. To God, you are irreplaceable. You're not just one in a million or a billion or a trillion. You are the pearl of great price that when a man found it in a field, he went and sold everything that he had to buy that field. That was Jesus who found you. He says that you're of great value. He sold everything that he had. The Bible said that he put aside his weight of glory and came down and humbled himself as a man. So don't you ever let the devil accuse you being less valuable than what you are to God or what your brother is to God because they're not doing what they should be doing. The truth is, is that if you loved your brother, you would do everything in your power to help him come out of that instead of condemning him to stay in that. The heartbeat of God is His bride, is His people. And I was telling my cousin Mandy, I said, you know, because she's getting her house ready, and she said, you know, we planned on getting everything once we come up there. She said, but I really feel like God has just been beautifying us, getting us ready, so when we come up there, we already have everything. And I said, you're the bride of Christ. Why would you expect not to be adorned by the one who literally covered the whole earth with beauty? And this is passing away. But listen, you are immortal, eternal. You will never die. When you leave, they call them earth suits. When you leave this body, literally, this is the only thing holding you here. When this body's dead, you leave. Even if you wanted to stay, you can't. And people say, well, what about ghosts and stuff like that? You know, I've seen a ghost. No, you've seen something demonic. Listen, psychics, all that stuff, it's just demonic. There's been angels and demons that's been around us since the day that we were born. And when somebody is telling you something that they didn't know, they either received it from the devil or they received it from God. It's either the spirit of the enemy or it's the spirit of God. And God never speaks death. Okay, And God's not trying to tell you something in your past that happened so that you'll somehow believe in Him. If God tells you something in your past or something, especially something in your past, if He tells you something in your past through somebody else, it's because He wants you to deal with it so that He can bring healing to you. If God tells you something of your future, if He prophesies over you, it's so that you can use your faith and attach it to that prophecy so that it gives you faith for something other than what you see. 
That's the whole purpose of prophecy. When I come and tell you, you know, Nathan, God is going to use you greatly in ministry and part of Heather's prophecy over you that just as evil spirits left when David played, that the same thing will happen when you play, that's actually giving you an opportunity to take hold of what God sees you doing. He already sees you doing that. He needs you to see you doing that. He needs you to see yourself successful in this life. He needs you to wake up to the reality that you're His bride and He's coming back for a beautified bride. Amen. What would you think of a husband that just didn't even provide clothing for his wife and she was walking around all her garments all ripped up, she barely had any clothes because her husband didn't provide for her? What would you think? Would you say, man, that's a good husband. That's a husband I wish I had. No, you would say, that's a horrible husband. Why do these people stay with him? You know, most women that stay with a man that's beating them, you know why they stay with them? Because they think that's love. They know nothing else than that. That's all they know. All they know is that as love. They actually think this is love. So when the church is standing up saying God loves you, but he's beating you, why don't they leave? We think that's insane. That's all they know. That's why this gospel of God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor is so important because it looses you from that evil husband, the law, which is put in place to beat you. And it frees you to a husband to show you that you're worth more than everything. That you're worth more than this earth. Heaven and earth will both pass away, but you never will. You're destined to live forever. Where you spend your forever is completely up to you. But God says, my greatest, highest will for you is here with me. I went through so much just to buy you back. Will you please, please come to me? God is begging humanity with outstretched arms, saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, which just means you're burnt out. You're under such a weight. And God's promise to us is, I will give you rest. We've been looking, like the song says, for love in all the wrong places. And what happens when you look for love in all the wrong places, you come to the value yourself as less than what you were created to be. Your creative value. I'm going to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis that I wrote down this morning. It's so awesome. There are no ordinary people, and that it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Do you catch that? If you realize that the person sitting next to you today is never going to die, what would your response be to that? And to realize that your Creator wants to spend an eternity with you, that the day you were born, God was there rejoicing over your birth? People might have been cursing at your birth, but God was there rejoicing, saying another man or another woman is brought into this world. There's endless possibilities with this child. At the day of your birth, I honestly believe God said that there's endless possibilities for this child. And then we think, God, why'd you give man free choice? <laughs> Why'd you give man free choice? I just wish free choice sometimes. 
especially when I missed it and I blew it. I just wish, God, why'd you even let me, you know, have free will? And I really hear the Lord saying that when you love something, you will allow them to choose. True love is not forceful. When you really love somebody, you will allow them to choose. See, when you love yourself, you take away the choice of the other person because you're at the center of your life. But when you truly love somebody else, you will allow them to choose. I always say that one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave mankind is the ability to choose. And like you've heard, I've preached in another message that I asked God when me and Heather were talking, I was telling Heather, and then we asked God, and I said, why in the world would God even put the tree in the garden if he knew that man was going to sin? Because we've been predestined in Christ before the foundation of the world, which means that in the mind of God, as soon as he put that tree in there, Christ already knew what he was going to have to do and that we have been predestined in him before you ever came to be. Mind blown, right? Boom. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the truth is, if God wouldn't have put that tree in the garden, he would have took away your choice. No tree, no choice. Without the tree, man has no ability to choose. And that's why he would say later on, I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. And then he says, choose life. Well, we know that in the choosing of life is choosing Christ. It's not the choosing of the law. It's not really even in the decisions you make because you can make right decisions and in the end, because you didn't choose Christ, you still die. Man's destined to die a natural death. But man will never die, literally, spiritually. You're going to go to a place. Well, to be absent from God is spiritually dead. You're going to go to a place, whether it's heaven or whether it's hell. We don't talk about hell much here. Because hell is not your destination. When me and Val were talking and Val said, you know, the Apostle Paul never mentioned the word hell. And I was thinking, I actually thought, that's not even possible. How could the Apostle Paul not even mention hell? And then my, you know... Sometimes it takes a little longer for me to get stuff, but God is still good. He's writing to born-again believers. He's not writing to people outside of Christ. Every one of his letters that we read in the New Testament is written to a born-again believer. He's not trying to scare you into works. He's trying to free you into grace. There's a huge difference. Amen. Because you hear people say, I'm living for God, man. I'm living for God. Look at what I'm doing. I'm not living for God. I'm living from God. There's a big difference. Because I realize that it's God that works in me both to will and to do with His good pleasure. I'm not trying to live for God. Because me living for God would be Steve's self-effort and trying to somehow attain to something that I know I can't. And you hear me say it all the time. Religion puts the mask on. Grace takes the mask off. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Because any church that you go into where they're preaching the Ten Commandments, you'll see people there dressed real nice. How are you doing today? How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm blessed. A little cocky, a little arrogant. You ask us, we say, we're doing good. We're blessed. Amen. But our blessing's not produced from what we did. <laughs> That's the difference. Like, I can't even boast in myself. Like, if I'm going to boast in anything, it's like, Jesus did this for me. Jesus gave me a wife. Jesus gave me a house. I mean, that's crazy. Jesus gives houses too, yeah. Did you know that? You know Jesus gives you jobs? You know Jesus will give you clothes? Jesus will pay your bills. And I heard a man say one time to another, this preacher, he said, uh, he said, brother, I'm just going to quit my job and live by faith. He said, if you couldn't live by faith with a job, what makes you think you're going to be able to without a job? <laughs> 
That's not faith. Faith is literally believing something that God has already shown you. You can't have faith for salvation unless you first heard that it's God's will to save you. You can't have faith for healing unless you first heard it's God's will to heal you. You can't have faith for prosperity unless you read in the Scripture that for your sake He became poor so that you, through His poverty, might be made rich. Well, Brother Steve, that's talking about spiritual wealth. (laughs) I'm glad that we have the Hebrew and Greek to go to. (laughs) Because when I looked up that word, it says increased with goods, (laughs) material. (laughs) Talking about right now in this life. And what happens is people say, well, I want that, so I'm going to seek that in God. I'm going to seek riches in God. No, we seek God. Everything else comes. And are seeking God. It's the same thing with the spiritual gifts. If you want to prophesy, if you want to speak in tongues, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it all comes from seeking God, not gifts. It's not the gifts that are going to get you closer to God. It's getting you closer to God, which enables you to use the gifts. But if the enemy, because we know gifts are good, if he can just twist it just a little bit to where you start seeking gifts, what happens? You become off course. All it takes is just a little bit off course, just a hair, over the length of miles or years. You'll be somewhere you were never supposed to be. You'll be prophesying stuff that's God and it's not. When we went to hear Lawson Purdue, he asked this question, he said, when I ask people, why, why did Jesus come? Most people say, well, to save you from hell is what he said, or, you know, to destroy sin. And that's not the reason why Jesus came. I love that. I absolutely love it. The reason why you were going to hell is because you were out of fellowship with God. The reason why you lived a life of sin is because you had a nature of sin that was passed on to you by your Father. That's what separated you from God. And John says that I write unto you, brethren, that you may have fellowship with us. And then he says, truly our fellowship is with the Father. Do you know that word fellowship literally means like intimacy between a man and a woman? You think, wow, that's so strange. Why would that be? You know that Heather can tell you whether I like something or not, or agree with you or not, just by you telling me something that you think? Why? because she knows me. She knows what I like, what I don't like. She knows what I believe, what I don't believe. She knows when you wouldn't be able to tell whether I'm irritated or whether I'm happy. My facial expression, my outward expression doesn't have to change for her to know because we're one. The two became one flesh. Do you know that when you accepted Jesus, you became married to God? The reason why Jesus came was to restore fellowship. Restore fellowship with you so that you can have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So that He actually becomes part of you. Jesus is in you and you're in Him. Amen? With that, we're going to get in John chapter 1. Praise God. Amen. He's faithful. If you get done before I do, hey, God bless you. He's faithful. Amen. You know, have a good day. Amen. So it's going to be John chapter 1, 
verse 12 through 14. God, you are so good. We just bless your name. We thank you. But as as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It says that right here, as many as received him. If you receive Jesus into your life, there's a promise that he gives you power to become a son of God. Listen to what it says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh. Which means that your parents have nothing to do with you being born again. That anything that happened in your past is in your past. And as soon as you give your life to the Lord, none of that has to stay on you because you're a new creature. When you accept Jesus, that sin nature that was alive inside of you died. And you literally, your spirit became alive unto God. And just like when God was there at your natural birth, celebrating your birth, he's there. All the angels of heaven rejoice for one sinner that comes to repentance, which means that one person who accepts God, that all of heaven breaks into a party because of you. But we don't see ourselves that significant. We don't see ourselves through the eyes of the true gospel. The true gospel, I was telling a guy the other week, I was telling him, we pulled up to a drive-thru and I told him, I gave him some money and I told him, you keep the change. And he was like, really? I said, yeah. And he said, well, can I ask you a question? Why would you do that? And I said, because God is good, man. I said, Jesus loves you and there's nothing that you could ever do that would make him not love you. Well, that's heresy. You know, Jesus doesn't love people who are stuck in sin. Oh, yeah, Jesus loves people who are stuck in sin. Jesus loves people who are stuck in sin as much as the people who are stuck in sin in churches because they're under the law. The law can't free you from sin, okay? The law can only condemn you. <laughs> but he loves those people the same. And he said, man, he said, you know, actually, I've been trying to get out of work because my son... He broke his arm and there's an infection and now he's in, in the emergency room. I said, what's his name? He said, Christopher. I said, can we pray for him? There's cars behind us. This guy's waiting to do his job. I have what he needs. We prayed for his son and the Lord told me to give him some more money. So I pulled it out of my wallet. I said, is this okay? I asked Heather, is this okay? I mean, if I could give anything, Heather would say, I just run it by her just because. <laughs> out of respect. But if I told Heather tomorrow we're giving our house away, she would say, well, did you find a place for us to live? <laughs> she honestly, she would, because that's, she trusts the Lord. You know? But he's faithful. And this guy, I mean, people want what we have. People don't want dead religion. But when people see the real Jesus, Literally, like Jesus put on an earth suit and like he's dwelling among people. When people see that, oh my goodness. You know, Jesus wasn't rejected of sinners. It's the crazy thing. You know, the people that rejected Jesus was the Pharisees. They were actually mad. Why is your master eating with these known sinners? When they say known, it's like notorious. These guys, this is what they are known for is sin. They're known for sin. Do you know that the sinners were so happy to have Jesus in their house because they never knew somebody who loved them despite the thing that they were in? They never experienced a God who literally took the time to count every hair on their head. They didn't know that that even existed. 
these centurions, the Pharisees were mad. Jesus was at the feast of the Passover. They sent these centurions to go arrest Jesus. And then they come back without him. And they say, where is he? And, and they tell him, we've never heard a man speak like this. So not only did they not arrest Jesus, they stayed there all day and listened to him and then didn't arrest him. <laughs> like, that's crazy. But Jesus was saying stuff like, God is your father, that he loves you enough to number all the hairs on your head. And like I always say, I love my kids a lot, but I've never took the time to number the hairs on their head. I mean, if anything is less significant in our mind to God would be how many hairs we have. But do you know that even the number of hairs on your head is very significant to God? He actually took the time to know it. You think sometimes, well, I don't want to trouble God with this. You're never troubling God when you bring something to him. You want to know what troubles him when you don't? I wish they would trust me, he says. Man, I showed them how much I love them through my son. If I was willing to give them him, and the scripture says, how shall he, God, also with him, Christ, give us all things freely? Because he gave us Jesus, everything else in heaven and earth was secondary to that. Like even your life, everything in heaven and earth is like secondary to God to your life. Like there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. You call him at the middle of the night, he don't sleep, but he would wake up and come to your house <laughs> to help you do what you need to do. But most of us don't view God like that. So instead of calling out to God as first response, we call out to whoever's closest to us. This is a true story. We didn't know Heather had an allergy to mold. And literally, we stopped at Burger King the night before and the food we got, it must have been moldy or something. Because that night, she wasn't feeling good. So we went to bed early and she woke up and she said, I don't feel good. I had to get up in like 20 minutes anyways to actually get ready for work. It was the middle of the night because I'd go in at 11.30 midnight. And she was like, I'm not feeling good. And she was getting up and she said, I'm going to get something to drink. And I'm in the bedroom. The living room is right off of my bedroom in the old house we lived in. And I heard a thud. I hop out of bed. I'm like, what's going on? And, and Heather's laying underneath the coffee table. Like she fell and went straight forward and was underneath the coffee table. And I went and picked her up and she's like, there's no life. I don't know if you ever felt somebody when like the life force is leaving them. Like it's like you can feel weakness. You can feel it. It's strange. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I, I start panicking. And I'm saved at this point. I think it's five years into our marriage. It was about eight years ago. And she says, I don't know. And then she just, she left. Like, she wasn't there. And I didn't have a hold of her. And she fell in between the coffee table and the couch. Like, just straight up fell. Like, she lost all her bowels, everything. Like, she was not there. She wasn't breathing or anything. And I panicked. I did not know what to do. I said, God, I, I can't handle this. And, and I, I grabbed my phone and I'm just looking at it. And I'm saying, Lord, I, I can't handle this. And I go in the bedroom and I call my mom. And she's like, what are you doing calling me this late? I said, Heather's not breathing. And she's like, why in the world are you calling me? <laughs> Call the ambulance. I spaced. Like, I wasn't even there, like, I didn't even know. I went back in the living room and had her sitting up on the coffee table. Like, what just happened? I was like, you weren't even breathing for like over a minute. She was like, really? I'm like, really? 
I thank God that I had enough common sense to at least, he was my first thought, to say, Lord, I can't handle this. I don't know. you got to help me. That's actually what I said. God wants to have a relationship with you where you know him better than you even know yourself. And you think that's crazy? Let me put it a different way, where you trust him more than you trust yourself. (laughs) And that's what people think, like the song, well, what if I give all? You know, in me giving all to the Lord, I didn't lose anything. I found myself. I found what I was always created to be. I found life. I really did. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Everything else robs you of your created value. Anything else that you're going to try to invest your life in, apart from God, will leave you working for that. You'll be working trying to achieve something that God would give you. There's nothing that God wouldn't do for you. Listen to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you know that Jesus is not the only begotten of the Father anymore? That you have been begotten of God in Christ that He's no longer just the Word made flesh that came and dwelt among people, that when people see you, because you are a born-again Christian, they actually should see the Word become flesh. Because like Philip said, like we were joking around at school, you know, well, show me the Father, Jesus, and that'll be enough for us. And people say, well, if God exists, just show me Jesus. And you can say, have I not been with you this long and you haven't seen him? Your life should reflect the grace of God and the goodness of God in the same way that Jesus' life reflected it. And I would be a hypocrite if I told you that I've done this perfect, but I'm doing it better than I ever have. Amen. Amen. And tomorrow, I'm going to be doing it better than that. Yesterday, actually, I blew it. Blew a good chance to be a blessing. Here I am in Bible college, an assistant pastor, outside, getting ready to go back in because class is about to start. This guy comes up and he's like, hey, 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 hey. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, hey, hold on, hold on. He's across the parking lot, so he starts coming. And I'm like, like, what's going on, man? And he was like, well, you know, it's hard for a brother around here. You know, people see my skin color and, you know, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I was like, ain't nobody scared, man. I was like, what's going on? I was irritated at this point. (laughs) You ever heard that song? I'm a hustler, baby. That's what I was thinking. He's a hustler, you know? Uh, Yeah, right? And, uh, (laughs) And he starts telling me this long story of him and his family trying to go to Minnesota. I already know he's trying to hustle me for some money, trying to bring me a story. And I'm, in, I'm irritated. I'm, I'm in Bible college. I'm an assistant pastor. And I'm like, hey, man, get to the point. What's the point? What do you need? Like, I'm irritated right now. And he was like, I just need some money. And so I, I gave him the money that I had. And he was like, that's all you're going to give me? He was like, you, you know, you can't give me like five more? I said, look, man, I can take that back. I did. I said, I can take it back. If you don't want it, I'll take it. Because I want it. You know, I, I want that. 
And I went inside and, you know, irritation. And uh, sit down, thinking, Lord, I got what this man needs. He thinks he needs money, but I got the bread of life. And instead of feeding him, I was irritated. I asked the Lord to forgive me. You know, there's not one ounce of condemnation on me because I'm not under the law. Do you know that if I would have continued going down, to, or if I would have thought I was justified by the thing that I did, do you know what, what would have happened? I would have cut myself off. Even though God would want to speak to me and minister through me, I would have stopped it. Because I, I would think that I'm justified by not loving people. Well, you gave to them. You know, that's proof of love. No, it's not. Paul said, I can give everything I own to feed the poor and my own body to be burned in the flames. But if I don't love, it doesn't profit me anything. There was no profit in me giving that man money. What he needed was Jesus. He needed an encounter with a real God that really had answers, who was manifested in a person named Stephen, who came to represent a person named Jesus. That's what he needed. And then give him that. So like the Apostle Paul says, unless you think of me beyond what, is, what you should, <laughs> from the things that are told you, I'm a man just like you. Or I'm not a woman. I know we got women here. And I love the example that this guy gave when he's talking about. He said, I know it's really weird for you women to be called sons. He said, but it's equally as weird to see me in a wedding dress. <laughs> um, we're the bride of Christ, right? It's just as weird. So, you know, when we say sons, you just got to deal with it. Just know you're involved there. Because when he says bride, we know we're involved too. You know, and men don't wear wedding dresses. Amen. But, and daughters aren't called sons. But when the word son is used, it's literally talking about anyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ becomes a son or a daughter. Amen. Do you know that the best characteristics of a woman came from God? I think that's weird. What do you mean? God's not feminine. He's not a woman. Is he a man? Do you understand that nobody created God? That you are made in his likeness and in his image? Do you know that you, as a woman, look just like God? Do you know that Adam as a man looks just like God? The best characteristics in a woman, the love, the caring, the being able to take care of children, where do you think that came from? You think we invented that? No. That came from God. The masculine, strong, willing to provide, where do you think that came from? Made in his likeness and image, right? Came from God. Do you understand that God is the perfect balance? That he's all masculine? but he can literally be delicate enough to plant a flower, to form the most beautiful things we've ever seen. When you look at a mountain, his hands are strong enough to literally sculpt mountains, but his fingers are tender enough to literally make flowers. God is the perfect balance. He's not just masculine. Do I picture God in my mind as feminine? No, Jesus was a man. <laughs> but he came from a woman. <laughs> and God was his father. Amen. Amen. Do you know that God is your father today? That your father literally sets in the heavens. That literally 
the same Father that you have that sets in the heavens, came down as a man. Jesus is all God. Well, that's really strange. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. They're the Holy Trinity, and yes, they are one. I don't know if I could believe that. You can believe it. Do you have to understand it? I remember asking God a question one, one time. I said, God, how in the world could you have always existed that you have no beginning and no end? I need to know how this works. Literally, inside I heard the voice of God, not audibly with these ears, but inside he answered me. He said, the reason you don't understand it is because you don't have an example of it. Me trying to explain something to you that there's no example except me. You have to believe that by faith because everything in this earth has a starting point and an ending point. To know something that lived forever, that had no starting point, had no ending point, is beyond our comprehension because everything that we know starts and ends. Amen. Do you know that the same God that started your life is going to be there when you take your last breath? The same God that started your life is going to be there when you take your last breath. And He is ready to receive you into a place that He prepared for you. You can't kill me. I'm literally not scared of anything. You can't kill me. I go to the Father. If you kill me, the only thing I would regret is leaving my family behind. I really am sold out to the Lord like there's nothing else. I was talking to uh, one of the guys at this Christian school that I work at, and as I was talking to him about the Lord, he was looking at me like, okay, buddy, you can take off the mask now. <laughs> he really was. And I got home and I told Heather, I think this guy was thinking I was talking to him about the Lord because we're at a Christian school. This is my life. Like, this is what I do. Like, all the time. I'm serious. I am all in for Jesus. I'm not in just living for Steve. Really, when I accepted Christ, Steve died. He was crucified with Christ at that moment, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, just like Paul did then. I'm going to share one more thing, and then I'll close. There's a scripture that says that you need no man to teach you because the Holy Spirit is real, and He'll teach you all things because He's not counterfeit. So people think, well, the Holy Spirit's going to teach me. I don't need a man to teach me because we got the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that you're reading what the Apostle Paul wrote that was inspired by the Holy Spirit? If you're looking to learn from the Apostle Paul or if you're looking to learn from Steve, you're not going to learn much. But if you're looking to the Spirit of God that's directing Steve, then you can be taught. But because people have misinterpreted that scripture, they become vigilantes in the body of Christ. There is no vigilantes in the body of Christ. Whoever thinks that, you're believing a lie. Amen. You're not called to live outside of the body. Like I'm a hand, but I'm literally going to cut myself off from the body and expect to have life. You are seriously deceived. It does not work like that. In order to have life flowing through one of your extremities, it has to be connected to the body. You separate yourself from the body, you separate yourself from the life of God. The reason why God gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists was all for the working of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the common faith, and to bring us into unity of that faith. When you come to church, you should fully expect to be taught. Not by Steve, Mark, or Val. No. 
by the Jesus that's in Steve, Mark, or Val. You're not looking unto us. We're not the authors and finisher of your faith, but the one who is inside of us, who taught us, will teach you through us if you allow it. No man is an island to himself. It's the truth. Amen. The strongest you will ever be is when you're connected to a healthy body. You need to be connected and plugged into a church. Not in order to make you right with God. No. But to make you stronger in what you believe. It makes you stronger. To think that you can be strong enough in your relationship with God, but to disconnect yourself from a body, you are missing some serious nutrients that you could be getting as the Lord is strengthening that body. Amen? God wants to use you guys. He wants to live in you. He don't want you just, I'm living for the Lord. He wants you to live from Him. Let His life just be in you. Let that life radiate through you. Let people see it in you. If you don't do it perfectly, bless God, you'll be doing it better tomorrow than you were today. But if you don't start somewhere, you'll never get to the place you're supposed to be. And that's what the enemy always tries to do. He tries to get us to put off what God has told us for today for tomorrow because he can always keep it in the future. But the Bible says that if you hear his voice calling, do not harden your hearts as your fathers did in the day of rebellion. Don't rebel against the one who loves you, who literally was willing to die for you. Who in your life has loved you like that? Who, when you wrong them, has still chosen to love you? Do you guys know anybody like that? I hope you do. But if you don't, there is someone who loves you in your worst state who will never give up on you and hasn't gave up on you. He believes the best for you. And he knows that with him, your future is as good as you can believe him for. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. He is good. If you guys even knew how much of the Holy Spirit that was, you would be amazed because <laughs> I am amazed because I do know <laughs> he's faithful. Amen. Amen. But the whole purpose of this ministry, even when you're giving, is not like to showcase us, Mark, Val. That's why we take turns alternating and preaching they let me preach like it's a great honor for me to be here they let me do this because there's no competition because they believe that you guys literally will see Jesus in me do you know what it's like when somebody believes in you when somebody believes that you can succeed even when you yourself don't when they say you can do it we believe in you you know God has that belief in you I can tell you that God has never been angry with you one time. Not one time. Not one time has He ever been angry. Your life is not a disappointment to God. Never. And like Todd White says in his testimony, he was ready to kill himself. He opened the phone book and seen the list of churches. And he went to this church and the pastor you know, greeted him and Todd White went in there and Todd was telling him, you know, I just hate my life. And, you know, and the pastor kept trying to tell him about Jesus. And he said, man, I didn't come here to hear about Jesus. And he told Todd, this is a church. <laughs> like, you didn't come to church to hear about Jesus? And Todd was telling him that he wanted to kill himself. And the guy says, if you don't want your life 
Why don't you give it to somebody who does? And Pilate said, who would want my life? The guy said, Jesus. Jesus wants your life. You know, Todd White is reaching millions of people all over the world. You know, the devil literally tried robbing the body of Christ from such a gift that was given to it. You don't understand your value. That's what the Lord is saying this morning. Do not let the devil rob you or rob us from receiving such a beautiful gift that's wrapped up in you. Amen. Amen. I literally feel like I could keep going all day. So (laughs) I better uh, go ahead and close in prayer because God is so good. He is. I want to give one more story. One more story, then I'll close in prayer. Praise God. Just because it's funny. It really it has something to do with the message because we're sharing Jesus. But I was listening to a message of this guy, and he was in an elevator with two of his buddies. And he said all these drunk people got on, got on the elevator. You know, most people's response to that would be like, these guys are all drunk and everything. I feel like this. I'll get back to the story. I feel like this. You can put me in the darkest place and I will shine the brightest. Amen. Because light only becomes brighter in darkness. Anywhere you go in the world, this light of life that is inside of you, in the darkest place, you will shine the brightest. The dark is where they need the light. Amen. Amen. And he got his two buddies there. A guy just loves Jesus. And he says out loud with all these people on the elevator, he says, uh, that's it. Out loud he says this. I'm coming out of the closet. And he said, I'm in love with a man. (laughs) And the lady and her boyfriend that were right in front of him, she turned around and she said, good for you. Gave him five. And he said, her boyfriend said, took a step back and said, I'm cool with that, bro. (laughs) Then he said, his name is Jesus. And you have no idea how much He loves you. That's the message that people need to hear. There's nothing that you could do that would make Jesus love you or God turn His back on you. At my worst state, my worst state, God still loves me. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your goodness. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, which is new every single morning, that it's new every single minute, that any time we choose to access your mercy, it's always ready and available for us to receive it. The same as your grace. We thank you, Father, that all these things have already been provided for us. We're not trying to earn a right standing with you, that we have a right standing with you based upon your son, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. I bless your people. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen.